all? Welcome back to another episode of the Wonderful Art City ESL Podcast. Man, we are back. I just want to give a shout out to everyone who is listening to me. Again, I've been doing this very, very often, and it's because, man, I'm living in so much gratitude now, uh, simply because the fact that, you know, Thailand is beginning to open up, and I have to present to you guys today that I am so excited to announce that I got myself a company. It, it was very difficult to get this company to start doing corporate training. And you guys are probably, uh, for a lot of you who are new to, you know, new here, you guys are probably unaware that I used to do a lot of company training before the shutdown had happened in April. And now it seems like, you know, with online and everything and, well, I just cemented my place with Phillips, the company Phillips out here, the, the conglomerate out here in uh, Bangkok. Um, and I got it through the tutorial services or company that I'm actually working for right now, which is an absolute shock. So it's not that, you know, it was very difficult to get. It was just, there was so many, so much gray area that I had to go through and I often got lost. And it's simply because my company had always set me up to fail. Then she came back to me about four days ago to say, hey, I have a company. I said, don't give me that BS. You've done this five times. I know how you do this. And then Next thing you know, conversation after conversation after conversation. And then September 30th, it's officially legit. And it's a 60-hour course. It's going to be online, which makes it very, very easy for me. And wow, um, it hasn't, I haven't gotten something this long, 60 hours in a very long time. Although I was doing my own company, you know, not too far from here. But then when everything had shut down, they said, okay, we'll come back to you when everything gets better. I'm like, when is everything going to get better? You know, and then I had another company that said, hey, well, I'm going to send you the email. She was saying that probably about two months ago, literally. And I'm just like, yeah, no, uh, I am sorry. That's over now. That's done. That's history. That's archived. So very, very happy that that happened. And so now we're going into the discussion in terms of e-commerce. But before we do that, let's just talk about that. What are the advantages and disadvantages for working for a company? And working for yourself. I want you to journal this, okay? Maybe in the morning, whenever you're reading, uh, you know, listening to this, I want you to take out a journal, whether it's on your computer, uh, on your phone, or even by hand, and write down some of this stuff and just put your thoughts out on paper and ask yourself this, you know? Um, you know, out here in Thailand, the, the beauty for working in a company is obviously huge because it comes down to being able to have a work permit and a visa, right? That's the only critical thing. Now, some people would go with international schools, this and that, but I just think there are too much bureaucracies and it's too difficult. I used to work for a very, very hard-nosed language center about, what, three years ago. And anytime they didn't have class, they didn't care. But anytime they had class, they expected me to give my life to them. And I'm like, that's not how it works. You're not taking care of me. How do you believe that this is gonna go 100, 100 when you're barely even giving 40%? And so you see how that could be very difficult working for someone from a teacher perspective like me. But now that I'm working for myself, sure, I can get my own company now and train at my own company. And very grateful that my ESL podcast has brought so many students from around the world into focus groups and now that you know it's not only me just training them it's everyone who's in the webinar they're now getting together in groups and they want to put some of their 
you know, sessions onto my membership because they thought they did a very good job and all these great things. And that's what I'm so grateful for, you know, because when I work for myself, that means I'm 100% accountable. And that decision I made was last year in March when I realized working for someone is terrifying because when everything shut down, there was nothing I could do. I had never been so hopeless before in my life. They didn't say stay home. They just shut every single thing possible down. You barely saw any cars anywhere. Every business completely shut down. Imagine that. And that's what was the, you know, the really scary and, you know, the scary aspect of everything that was happening. And so what I ended up saying was, you know what, I'm going to have to take these matters into my own hand. And I remember when, you know, I got my first Peruvian student working for myself, um, you know, back in mid-July. Um, when I got her and I got paid by her, it felt better than getting paid five times that amount, but working for people who I didn't like, for working in an environment that I did not like, living in a place that was constantly loud with music and dogs barking living up country where I seemingly did not want to do. And so I had to learn so much about me and about what I wanted and putting me first and saying no. And when I did that, now I'm in a position where I wake up literally just so happy because I feel like I'm in full control. So that's the question to ask yourself. B, living in a country or living in a town? I, I've done both. Living in the countryside was very difficult for me when I left Las Vegas, going into, now going into Melbourne, fantastic. Sydney, fantastic. But when I lived in Chantaburi, where it constantly rained, you cannot go anywhere because it's always raining. You can't enjoy the park. You can't enjoy this. The best restaurant they had out there was, oh my God. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh man, I only know this place because oh, it, it was tough, people. It was tough. And when I went to another countryside, to the south of Thailand, by the name of Nakonsi Tamarada, it was a little bit better, but I'm still like, you know what? I really want to get to Bangkok because I know that's where the opportunity is. So then I got outside Bangkok. And then finally, I moved inside Bangkok. And now I realize that I cultivate, meaning I create the opportunity. So I do love living in the country. Um, this is something I, I, that I would love to do. There are beautiful towns and neighborhoods and stuff in Canada. Um, Alberta is absolutely beautiful. That sounds like a place that I wouldn't mind living long-term. Um, I just believe that here in Thailand, it's just too turbulent at the moment. And I just don't trust, I don't trust anyone in the government in, in, in at the top of this country. They're, they're just all, they're scary as hell because they could switch it up and they'll start killing everyone at any moment. You know what I mean? So living in a town like Bangkok, man, it's huge. Yeah, you got the pollution, but you just wear a mask. And it sucks. Yeah, I don't want to wear a mask outside. I'm not saying that you have to wear a mask all the time. It's just, you know, during the you during the rainy season, you have some good air out there. The air quality is in the green area. Take advantage of it because between December and about March, it's ugly. And that's what's going to happen when the air becomes steel because there are no drafts coming from the north or south, right? This is what an air traffic controller had taught me. And so... I still absolutely love living in Bangkok and it's going to be very difficult for me to go to a very small rural town. I remember I got a job offer from a, a school in the Honduras 
And it was in the middle of nowhere, probably a town of 100 people. And they were like, oh, the only place that has Wi-Fi is this cafe. I'm like, oh, guys, I'm sorry. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> ah, I, I can't do that. No, I'm good. I'm good. You know, just because I love having that energy around me. So let's go into the next one. Having children, not having children. I don't know. You know, I can't tell you from that perspective, but obviously I will absolutely have a child. Um, and I'm so excited. No, no, it's not happening now. Okay, calm down. Um, but no, like, you know, I would love to have one in the future because I've got to have a mini me. <laughs> oh my God, that's going to be the end of the world. Oh God. Can you imagine two mini me's? But to be honest with you, I want a daughter. It sounds crazy. I would love a daughter. A son, it doesn't matter. But if I get a daughter, I'm like, hey, either way, okay, I'm going to be very excited. But if I get a daughter, I'm going to be like, oh, my God. But at the same time, I think it's going to be very difficult. But just saying, what are the advantages of having kids and not having kids? And then, of course, B, going to university or starting work straight after school. I think this one's big because we have to identify what does university even mean. University is not what it was back in the 80s to 70s. University is pretty bleh, okay if you were to if you were graduating in high school let's say in california and you have the ability to go to tokyo university or go to harvard or any university in america please go to tokyo because harvard business school all that stuff okay you have a degree but you're just going to end up working what for a huge bank and work for someone who, where the boss is like the biggest asshole in the world? No, please immerse yourself in an entire, in an entire different world. Go after that thing. What is the lifestyle that you want? And stop looking for external validation and stop looking for the external features of things too. It's about the process of who you become and the growth throughout the entire process. And I believe that putting yourself in a position of me moving to Australia and having to have these ratchet-ass housemates from Mauritius. Oh, my God. And, you know, no offense to my Mauritians. I love you guys. Um, but having those housemates and having to live with Colombians who I love. I love all of you. I have Colombian students. But the Colombians I live with, oh, boy, 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 boy. It was tough. They were dirty as hell, and they would eat all my food straight up. Bulgarian, oh, my God. You have no idea how difficult that was. Um, I love the Bulgarians too. No, no offense. Uh, but that experience has had taught me more than America taught me in my entire college years, seriously. And I had a roommate, but he was from California. He's African-American, just like me. But I also had, and, and that was very easy. You know, we did get in an argument and, you know, we ended up getting, you, you know, whatever towards the end of our little tenure, but we ended, we lived together for four months. But living together with Mauritians or living together with Colombians and Bulgarians and Aussies, that was a beautiful experience because it taught me so much about so many different things. And so, you know, going to university, obviously it depends, but I love sabbaticals. Um, if someone were to tell me, hey, Arsenio, should I, you know, take a year off and go travel the world, go learn a language? I'm going to say, hell yeah. University will always be there. Oh, but, but, no, but what? Fuck, don't let people put you in a box. If my daughter were to tell me at 18 years old, Arsenio, listen, hey, dad, you know, I got a, you know, I got a full ride scholarship, okay? Okay, or I got, um, what is it, a fellowship. 
which would be very difficult to turn down, right? But if I got a full ride scholarship to go to one of the universities here in Thailand, I'm like, that ain't shit. But, or if she said, listen, I would love to do university in America, obviously that would be better for her, right? That's number one. If she said, I would like to take, to take a year off and go learn languages in France or something like that while, uh, while working and doing this, or if she does that like during her high school years, whatever, like a work and travel type of thing that they have out here in Thailand, I'm more for those because I believe you find your voice. I believe you find your discipline. I believe you find your love. You find your passion. You find a lot of different things. So again, like I said, university will always be there. If you live in a country or a culture where they say, oh, why did you take time off? Oh, well, why didn't you start university right out of high school? Those are the type of people you never want to work for. And by the time I have a kid in like 20 years, I think the majority of these jobs are going to be completely gone. And she's going to have to be more than likely an entrepreneur unless she's going to be going for a pre-professional program, you know, to become a nurse, a doctor, lawyer, something like that. So all things considered, people, all things considered. So in saying that, what we're going to do, we're going to listen to a program, radio program, experts discussing e-commerce. Okay, this is going to be really good. We're going to sit back. We're going to talk about it. You're going to listen. And then we're going to go from there. So in saying that, people, here we go. Let's tune in. For most listeners, Amazon, eBay and PayPal will, of course, be household names and bring to mind books, music and shopping on the World Wide Web. According to latest surveys, three out of five Europeans have at some time bought goods on the Internet and online sales have doubled annually over the last five years. But will this growth continue? And what will the state of online trading and shopping be 10 years from now? Our guests today, Paul Bradley and Johan Webb, are both well-known commentators and bloggers on business and online technology. Paul, how do you see the future of e-commerce? What are the pros and cons? It's difficult to say because things move so fast, but I think the future is quite bright. I'm pretty sure that e-commerce will become the normal way to buy and trade, not in all products, but in a fairly wide range of goods. The advantages for the customer are obvious. Access to products that may not be available locally, in online shops open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 365 days a year, with delivery to your doorstep. Yes, for the customer, the benefits are clear. Convenience and lower prices. And mm. the seller can do business with anyone in the world connected to the Internet. In fact, the only limitations are transport and delivery costs. That's absolutely right. But there are other drawbacks as well. When you buy online, you have to wait for the goods to arrive. A lot of us just don't have the patience. There is also the possibility the goods won't arrive as expected, and when there are problems, they can be difficult to sort out. Returning goods is not easy. With a product like a computer or high-definition TV, for example, people like to have a shop where they can take it back to if something goes wrong. After-sales service is still a negative factor. On the plus side, the seller can deal directly with the manufacturer and offer a cheaper price as a result. For the customer, of course, the price difference has to be enough to make it worth taking the risk. Is payment a problem? 
for me, security is still the big issue in people's minds. They're scared of identity theft and what happens to the information they give online. True. For the moment, it's something which is slowing down growth. There are solutions out there. Payment systems like PayPal offer guarantees and security. Uh, if go. something goes wrong, you can get your money back quite easily. What about the type of products that can be sold? Well, except for perhaps making your order at the local supermarket via a web page, I don't think buying food is ever going to take off. Books and DVDs are one thing, but fruit and vegetables are another. Yes, and buying online makes the groceries more expensive, so what's the point? Actually, this highlights another limitation. You can see pictures, read text, and hear sounds on the Internet, but you can't smell a flower or feel the quality of cloth online. There will always be some products that people will want to touch and feel before they buy. Not only that, but when you go to a shop and pick something up, you choose what to look at and how to look at it. On the Internet, you only see what the seller wants you to see. That's why people are more comfortable buying products like DVDs, books and electronic gadgets. Often you've already seen them in a shop before and you're just looking for a better price. Personally, for example, I won't buy clothes online unless I know it's something I want because I've been able to try it on to see if it fits. Can we go back to the use of credit cards? Apart from security, are there any other issues? Well, yes, credit cards are an added cost for the seller, but you can't pay cash over the Internet. There's another point here. Because payment is by credit card, very small or very large transactions tend not to be conducted online. And that brings us back to what e-commerce is all about, buying and selling products which are suitable for package delivery, where compared to traditional retail, the cost of selling, payment and transport make it worth doing business online for both buyer and seller. Well, Paul, <gasps> Johan, thank you both very much. If you would like to comment on any... So much! First and foremost, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, back in 2011, I had an Aussie roommate. It's so funny. They said, oh, buying groceries online, that'll never take off. Motherfucker. Bro, where have you been living? What are you talking about? In 2011, I remember my Aussie roommate came in. He's like, listen, I bought all this food. Look. And I'm like, yeah, man, you can just order online. You don't have to go to the store. And I'm like, you ordered all that online? Guys, 10 years ago, that was crazy. That was considered crazy as hell. America, you can't order anything online back then. There was no such thing as ordering anything online in America. Hell, I didn't even think you could order pizzas online. You had to call. Hey, I would like to have a pizza. You know, uh, I don't even know how you used to pay on the phone, to be honest with you. Um, but I guess people would just show up to your home and you would just have to pay cash. But here in Thailand, that could be a little bit of a dangerous situation because a lot of people, they would just like call and, and they wouldn't even be there. It would be so terrible, right? And so anyways, yeah. So in regards to that food, we did that as a matter of fact. Uh, me and my friend, um, what was it? We had to be self-quarantined because apparently she... Although both of them were wearing a mask and they were standing about a meter and a half apart, one girl ended up tested positive for COVID, but it was nine days after. 
And I'm like, listen, there's nothing wrong with you. And she's like, oh, but I'm really worried about you. And I didn't have a COVID vaccine at that time. It was like June, I believe. June or July, I can't remember. And I was like, well, why are you even sweating it? Calm down. It was nine days ago. I'm totally fine. And obviously she never, she didn't even have to get tested because she wasn't in a high risk, you know? And so um, we bought things online and they delivered it the same day. There were like two bikes, you know, out here in Thailand, they have line man, they have grab bike, they have jet, they have a lot of different things that where they uh, deliver, you know, uh, either home good items, you could buy toilet paper, all that good stuff. And they deliver that easily. And to be honest with you, during COVID last year, that was huge. That ended up becoming real, real big. And I think going into, um, I don't know if it was before or after, but there was a girl, as a matter of fact, who had jewelry. And she showed ju- sold jewelry online when the shopping, uh, shopping malls and everything had closed down. Her business skyrocketed. And I know it ended up skyrocketing over the past maybe four to six weeks, too, because they had shut down again in July until they just recently opened. So in saying that, a lot of this stuff is just a little crazy. Like using credit cards online, PayPal, extremely secure. That's what I use. You know what I mean? Um, I use Stripe for my memberships. And Stripe is actually phenomenal because... With memberships, it's very, very easy to cancel. It's very easy to track everything. Um, yeah, it's just phenomenal, you know? And so they made a lot of, you know, interesting points. But with e-commerce, listen, people, everything can be bought. Anything can be bought online. Now, would I buy an iPhone online and pay that type of money to get it, you know, mailed here? No, I would like to buy it uh, in store. Shoes, would I buy shoes online? I would have to try out the shoes and then get them shipped. Very difficult because I ended up getting some shoes shipped. They were okay. But again, I was just like, yeah, I don't really like it. You know, I, I bought stuff online. I remember I bought a, a jersey, as a matter of fact, an Arsenal jersey in 2010 when I claimed my allegiance to Arsenal. Although I really don't watch football anymore and Arsenal is just a piece of dog shit. Um, you know, I ended up buying uh, a jersey and when it came to me, it was huge. And I was like, oh, fuck. Why? Because I didn't know about UK sizes and it's shipped directly from the UK. So people, many things that you have to consider. Like I said, e-commerce is already the thing, you know, again, if we look at shopping malls out there in America, they suck. Do you guys know anything about this? Like shopping malls in Thailand are an experience. Icon Siam is the number four shopping mall in the world because in Icon Siam, it's amazing. You have condominiums, you have bowling alleys, you have theaters, you have fine dining, you have terraces that overlook the river with live music. Um, you have the gym, you have swimming pools, you have your banks, you have your telephone services, you have so many different cafes, you can get all your shopping done, you have, uh, what is it, high-end shopping, the Versace, um, you know, all those different shops, all in one single building. In America, all you have is a food court and retail. Buy clothes, buy this, buy that. Malls, and then I heard the, saw the article just recently, oh, malls are beginning to fall, uh, you know, go away here in America because you guys don't provide an experience. I just went into Ikea for the first time in my life. Compared to America, this was the greatest experience I ever, I walked into the fifth floor of this place and it was a food court. After this food court, well, and of course the food court was fine dining. I got Swedish meatballs for the first time, the most delicious stuff 
It felt like Thanksgiving dinner. It was amazing. Then we got up, we walked around. I bought a whole bunch of stuff. I bought this pillow that I have right now for $33, the best $33 well spent on a pillow in my life. I bought a new alarm clock. I bought a desk lamp. I bought so many different things. And then after that, after you're finished and going through this massively gigantic warehouse, you get to the end and these women are working so far, so fast to check everyone out. Then they have gummy bears at the end. The most delicious gummy bears in the world. Along with so many other snacks. That is a fucking experience. In America, you guys are just far fucking behind. That's your problem. No offense, I'm American, but you guys are not upgraded. Changi Airport International is the greatest airport in the world. Don't let these fools talk about Doha, okay? Doha, you ain't shit. Nothing is close to Changi. Changi is 30 years into the future. You can say whatever bullshit and give whatever reward you want. Doha International doesn't have transit hotels. Doha International doesn't have a variety of cuisine. Doha International doesn't allow you to take showers and rent out a room and freshen up for 30 minutes. Doha International doesn't have a movie theater, a bowling alley, uh, a botanical gardens. You guys don't got that. So you ain't shit. Changi Airport is what American airports might be in 150 years. That's how far behind they are. Oh, we're just trying to get from one place to another. Guys, no. It's about the journey and the experience is what I'm saying. So that being said, if you don't upgrade you, if you don't upgrade your business, if you don't upgrade whatever it is you have, either someone's going to upgrade it for you and take it from you, which a lot of people do in terms of buying businesses, or you're going to sink based on your ego. So people get with the game. All right. And in saying that, thank you so much for tuning in to another Yes, podcast. So grateful to be back and so grateful to be bringing this crazy ass energy to you crazies, man. I love you all. Make sure you follow me on my ESL podcast page, Arsenio's ESL podcast on Instagram, Arsenio's ESL podcast on Facebook. Uh, my The Arsenio Buck Show still haven't changed the name, but it's a website that has all the blogs and stuff like that. And again, I still got the Business English podcast badge and my early access badge, if you want all these podcasts in advance and you don't want to wait every single day, that's available too. So you make sure you reach out to me, people. Love y'all all. Y'all have a great one, and I'll see you in the next one. Over and out.